Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt, and today is February 7th, 2023. Today's episode is titled, Thanks, Iowa. Children can be chimney sweeps again. Today we're going to be covering uh, the fact that Microsoft Bing will sometimes misrepresent info, basically. Um, all kinds of plastic debris shows up in the Arctic. White-collar jobs most at risk for getting replaced by AI. Boeing's going to fire about 2,000 of those white-collar jobs, maybe, to repl get replaced by an AI. A big law firm finally finds um, Kanye West and officially dumps him. It's not us, it's you. The creation of the largest U.S. lithium mine is moving slowly closer, even over the protesting of the land use. Madison Square Garden lifts a ban on some lawyers, but not all of you. And OnePlus is getting into the tablet game with something that I think is kind of despicable for a name. And um, something strange is happening on the sun. And the authors of this article don't know what it is. And developers have created an AI to generate police sketches, and apparently experts are horrified. And we're going to end with five weird Super Bowl prop bets. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. Tonight is the State of the Union, but we're talking about other things. And, of course, I'm here with the AI that runs Ometown, the booming voice from on high. Hello, AI. Good evening, Ometown citizens. Pick up that can. You never say pick up that can, even though I keep programming it in. I wonder if it's that your artificial intelligence is just going well beyond what my programming does. I'm a horrible programmer too, so hey, no wonder you're taking over. All right, let's get into today's news. Hello, Geeks and Paint. Welcome to the show. Thanks for stopping by. I see it's your first time chatting. Good to see you here. Enjoy the show. We just got started. If you have any questions or comments, Throw them into chat. I'm happy to discuss it. Um, I'll start off right by throwing the URLs for each of the articles into the chat as we progress. And if you are interested in seeing all of them right there on the bottom of the screen is hometown.showbot.tv. You can just follow that and that will take you straight over to uh, what amounts to our voting system. You can vote on articles that you find interesting. And you know, I'm going to do something real quick. Let me... I'm going to turn on some more lights. Maybe it'll make me washed out, but I don't know. We'll we'll just go with it. So let's get into the first article. Um, the new B, Microsoft Bing will sometimes misrepresent the info it finds. Uh, this is an article that's from The Verge. I'm just going to go straight over to The Verge. Normally I talk about stuff for a little bit, but um, let's just get into the actual source. Sean Hollister is the author over at The Verge for this article, and it says Microsoft is warning users up front that its new search isn't necessarily reliable with a quote, 
please use your best judgment. Okay, wait, isn't the whole purpose of Bing to conduct a search? Yeah, it doesn't have to be relevant or correct. You know, I guess not. alternative facts and all of that kind of stuff. You know, uh, uh, almost, what, 15 years ago, I built a search engine that uh, would analyze your personality and give counterintuitive results because it is relatively simple nowadays to provide you with relevant information, um, but not necessarily, well, no, it would provide, it can provide you with popular information. It just happens to be correct because the popular result is the one that most people accept, right? But what if a counter view is proposed as well? And that was the, the heart of my search engine. Obviously, it was too heavy lifting for me to find investors in. And well, you know, I'm not a computer scientist. Um, so it died on the vine. Um, I told some people about it today and we had an interesting conversation very briefly about it. Um, but now you can go to DuckDuckGo and other composite search engines and get the results from a multitude of search engines. And you can easily spin up your own private search engine that does the same thing. But when you have an AI chatbot that is powering a search engine and it just kind of throws willy-nilly results at you, is this actually providing a valuable service? Well, it says search engines are about to change in a very important way. When you type in a query and get an official looking answer, it might be wrong because an AI chatbot created it. Great, creative results. That is not what the world's knowledge, access to the world's knowledge via a search engine should kind of be predicated on the idea that it's more correct than not correct and not pseudo intellectual gibberish spewed forth by an AI that's learning how to talk to humans. ChatGBT is a very profound tool in what it does, but I don't think it should be leveraged for search engines so much as maybe being an expert system when you can define it to be in a very narrow band, you know, chat GPT and uh, open AI doesn't provide uh, true legal um, advice and it doesn't provide true financial advice and medical advice. It'll provide information in general, but not, stuff that people should follow up on directly. You should always consult subject matter experts for that. Um, what it's good for is kind of stoking the creative fires um, and maybe answering some stuff and maybe writing a template letter, you know, a cease and desist, um, like the ones that I get on the regular for streaming. I I get all kinds of cease and desist, you know, please stop, stop streaming, please um, turn off the camera. Uh, you're doing more harm to my eyes than good, that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, I just ignore those, but uh, they're all coming from ChatGPT. I don't know who keeps sending them, but anyway, a couple of key passages from this new Bing FAQ. Uh, Bing tries to keep answers fun and factual, but given this is an early preview, it can show some unexpected 
or inaccurate results based on the web content summarized, so please use your best judgment. Yeah, I don't think that that's what really should be going on. As long as it is, if it's powered by AI, it should be kind of how Reddit does their evolution of their service. Their front page is the modern look, but you can type in old.reddit.com and have the old interface. Um, and it's, for me, it's faster. It's more streamlined. It doesn't have any of the glitz and, and glamor and whatever else look um, that the new Reddit has, even though the new Reddit is pretty easy um, on the eyes. I don't think search results should be qualified with fine print somewhere that says, hey, um, maybe maybe you should question all of our content. So I guess just like uh, Microsoft's browser Edge, its sole job is to download Chrome and Firefox. Bing's sole job is to drive traffic over to Google and or DuckDuckGo and or myriad other search engines. So way to drive traffic away. Some people keep on using it, but um, I definitely have never used Bing um, unless it's out of curiosity and demonstration to compare it against Google results. But I don't think this is how you get it um, to grow. Uh, they even have a little uh, paragraph in here. Maybe we missed that demo. The bot also suggested that Microsoft's multi-billion dollar investment in open AI was announced today, though it happened two weeks ago. So I think everything is a lagging indicator about performance and Microsoft will soon say, oh, we're making this AI integration now a beta on a different domain and not directly at the front facing Bing search engine what do you think you have an opinion on this ai or are you gonna are you gonna throw another ai under the bus the bing bus so to speak well i haven't been impressed with Bing prior to this time so i mean i think the whole reason people use a search engine is to get information and we all know they're going to rely on the information they get. So that's a problem. And then also, what about the people that thrive on misinformation or alternative facts or, or whatever it is? I mean, I don't know what way this is going to be misrepresented, but that could be really problematic in certain areas. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch how this plays out. Um, let's on let's hustle on over to the next article. Um, the next article is in the mobile channel, and uh, this is all about plastic. I always goof around and call it debris, but it's debris, plastic debris. I have to fight the urge and actually say it every time. I have to say debris out, out loud. Um, plastic debris uh, in the Arctic comes from all around the world. Citizen science gives interested uh, citizens the chance to to actively engage in scientific research. Let's go over to fizz.org, which is the source of this. And Alfred Wagner Institute is the uh, provider of this information to fizz.org. And it says here that um, this has now been analyzed by the Alfred Wagner uh, Institute. According to the findings, one third of the plastic debris, which still bore imprints or labels allowing an analysis of their origin, came from Europe and much of that number from Germany, which that's interesting. 
Um, the findings just released in the journal Frontiers in Marine Science clearly show that even prosperous industrialized countries like Germany make significant contributions to the pollution of remote ecosystems like the Arctic. Um, and we've just lost Germany as a sponsor. Um, plastic debris is a global problem that even the uninhabited wilderness of the high north is not immune to. And I just want to draw attention to the fact that we have microplastics that have penetrated everything from the bottom of the ocean to the top of the planet. <laughs> um, and these microplastics have been found in humans, um, in all in animals, in fish, uh, in the strata of life. And uh, we kind of have to change this dynamic. The problem is we don't really have the ability to, it's going to be a, a seismic shift uh, in society to move away from um, plastics. And so the only other solution would be something that you can't see through like metals um, or glass, which is very dangerous. And all you have to do is slip and it'll hit the ground, break into a million pieces, people get hurt, etc. It, it doesn't have the durability of plastic. So what do we do about it? Well, apparently, apparently we throw it away and it ends up in the Arctic. So in 2016, we began working with citizens to investigate the composition of plastic debris on Arctic shores, says AWI researcher, Dr. Melanie Bergman, who came up with the idea for the project together with the tour guide <laughs> and writer. Um, is it Birgit Lutz? Um, in collaboration with companies offering trips to the Arctic, participating tourists gathered and recorded plastic debris washed up on the shores of Svalbard, uh, which is a massive glacier. Um, from 2016 to 2021, this amounted to 23,000 items with a combined weight of 1,620 kilograms. So a, a pretty thick wad of <laughs> debris. So now they're analyzing where it's all coming from and um, saying that it's coming from Russia and Norway and whatnot. From all over the place, essentially. And I know that a lot of countries uh, ship their uh, waste out to other places that accept it in, in turn for money um, and whatever processing they're going to do in country. Uh, so maybe it's by proxy and not directly from a given country because they ship it somewhere else on barges. Either it's lost in the barge. Pardon me one second. Um, it's lost in a barge somewhere or um, it's deposited in the, the country that it's supposed to be deposited in and then they get rid of it um, in some other way. Um, but... For what it's worth, I think that recycling processes need to be a little bit more robust. And one of the biggest things that limit recycling is foodstuffs on the plastic itself. And so like uh, paper recycling, to the best of my knowledge, there isn't any paper recycling that allows for food like oils and stuff like that to be in the, the, the wood pulp, the, the uh, paper. So it gets thrown into a regular landfill and either has to be incinerated, which is horrible for the environment, or it just sits there and decomposes, which is horrible for the ground, groundwater, 
um, takes forever to decompose. You have to compost it in some way. And most landfills don't do composting like that. So it's a complex solution, um, but we are ultimately going to end up paying our dues when it comes to plastic um, as it permeates the ground more and humans and our food supply. It, we're asking for trouble. Did you want to add anything to that? No, I just, I wish we would get away uh, from plastic usage, but we need to really rethink how we manufacture and I mean, even just things like the restaurant industry would need to completely change, right? Because all the takeout containers, et cetera. Yep. I know they're not the only one, but I'm just using that as an example. Like we have to make societal changes to really get away from it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty much impossible until some um, major fundamental research is done in finding another solution. Um, I think something like transparent aluminum where it doesn't shed um, microplastics into the environment is going to be the only solution. And there are talks of developments like that, um, but the cost, I think, is extraordinary right now. Um, this next, uh, article is over in the hatch ideas channel. Um, white collar jobs, most at risk for getting replaced by AI, like chat GPT. Uh, I just spoke to people today. I'll be ending up, I'll, I'll be talking to people tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And I do this, uh, on the daily usually. And <clears throat> I challenge people to tell me a domain that they think cannot be automated by technology in some way to the point where it is a big hindrance to it being an ongoing uh, career because as technology gets more sophisticated um, it will eventually even wipe out those few jobs that survive automation uh, because of whatever reason um, that they survived the first push into automation. And um, really, I, I'm not going to give it away. Uh, I want this to be kind of a, a longstanding discussion with uh, citizens of hometown and, and those who you know watch this over on YouTube or the VOD here on Twitch or the podcast. Please get in touch with me. Uh, send it in via the showbot. All you have to do is hit exclamation point. Um, S over here on Twitch. Um, so go to twitch.tv slash hometown. And then in the chat, just type in um, your idea for what you think cannot be uh, automated um, or overtaken by technology. And um, there is one specific domain, definitely. But other than this, and even then it's highly influenced by automation and technology, um, but everything else I have yet to be able to definitively say it wouldn't be automated. Um, that said, here are four white collar jobs. And this is over at Business Insider. Madison Hoff, Aaron Mock, and Jacob Zinkula is the author of this article or are the, are, are the authors for this article. Wow, that's hard to say. Um, and so it says AI may be beneficial for paralegals and other white collar jobs, but it may affect the demand for these workers. Absolutely. For instance, chat GPT can write code one common work task for some tech workers. And here are four 
kinds of white collar, and these are kinds of white collar jobs that could be replaced by AI. I think it's a great article by Business Insider. Um, a lot of people are actually talking about this. Um, it says here, chatbots have been around for a long time, but there really seems to be a major change here in how good they are. Vincent Konitzer, uh, professor of computer science at Carnegie Mellon, um, told Insider in a previous article. Um, I'm just gonna scroll through this really quick and talk about it because um, I have actually watched people using ChatGPT and more specifically the OpenAI Playground, not ChatGPT itself, but the OpenAI Playground, which is a um, the more um, academic side of ChatGPT. You can do a little bit more manipulation in that environment than just straight ChatGPT. Well, you can write entire websites. Um, you can <laughs> you can ask it to write things like uh, like the cease and desist letter. Um, you can have it write lyrics. Um, the only thing it can't do, and you could pretty much tie it into Midjourney, um, is create art or write music. I'm sure that there are people that are doing that. Um, and one thing that I think is being done on the back end, but not publicly accessible because it's the liability is I think, um, things like, uh, assessing the viability of a lawsuit and, uh, financial advice right now, the using an AI for financial advice is, um, it's too dangerous because you follow that advice and the world collapses around you, then you can sue somebody. Um, but if a human does it, then, and there's gross negligence, then you can sue them to reclaim some of those losses, arguably, if you can afford it anyway. So tech pro uh, tech jobs like programmers could be at risk because chat GPT can write and debug some code. Um, like I said, I've seen, software being developed by chat GPT and websites being created. And then you can automate the rest of that process as well. Um, although I think it's a, it's not quite ethical because it uses screen scrapers and other things. Um, but at any rate, um, so tech jobs are definitely going to be influenced by AI financial jobs. It says financial analysts, personal financial advisors, um, this will eventually happen once they can overcome that liability issue. But I know of um, researchers that are using AI to do predictive analysis uh, of stock, uh, stock markets and stocks themselves. Um, and it can take into account news and other factors, um, not just technical analysis. Um, legal industry ai machine learning parses information regularly in but it is prone to misinterpretation so while it can find data paralegals legal assistants attorneys um, all have to work together to suss out the fine detail of whatever the findings are so this one is a tough call but it's going to be able to sift through all of the data uh, much easier than a human ai doesn't fall asleep or get drunk. So legal industry is going to be influenced by AI for sure. And then here it says media jobs, advertising, content creation, technical writing, journalism. 
the ease at which I can get copy written by an AI um, is spectacular. And I can set up the AI to be a subject matter expert in a given field. So if I want an article written about physics and I have cold fusion on my mind, I can sit there and tell the AI, you are a subject matter expert in cold fusion. Write me 500 words about cold fusion. Um, and I can even set the technical sophistication of it to some degree. You have to do a lot of wordsmithing to make that happen. Um, do you think that these are going to be influenced by AI in any way? Or do you think that any particular ones have viability beyond the AI? Um, I think all of these uh, fields will be impacted by the AI. Um, I think you'll see more behind the scenes work in the finance and law fields in particular, um, like you mentioned, because of the liability. Um, but I think because of all the data involved in those fields, there's a lot of use um, for this. And then, um, in terms of like the tech jobs, I think that's a natural fit. And then I forgot what the fourth category was. My it was gosh. media. Oh, you're media. an AI. You're not supposed to forget anything. <laughs> I must have had a glitch. Um, yeah, I think we're already seeing um, uh, usage in that area. Yeah, when you read an article and it sounds like gibberish, odds on it's done by an AI and a rather inexpensive AI. Uh, you know, um, subjectively, you know, it's a rather cheap AI that just spits out gibberish. And then it's kind of a, a, a cheap editor who doesn't even audit that um, output from an AI. But yeah, there's there's a lot of automated tools right now that can spit out an article. So this is an, it's an interesting topic and we'll see uh, what the... Um, Quarter by quarter, I think things are going to become, it's exponentially advanced because it's not like a human being that has to take these baby steps to learn stuff, learn stuff, learn stuff and sleep and learn stuff and sleep and whatever, have work-life balance and whatnot. No, an AI can plug into so much data um, and evolve so much quicker than humans that will witness it happening faster. You know, I uh, think in the last several months, we've already seen the expansion of AI more visibly into pretty much every aspect of life. And it's been, it seems like it's accelerating in terms of the, the um, I guess, involvement of AI in daily life. Yeah, I definitely think that it's accelerating. And the hype around open AI in particular has been um, accelerating. Um, now you have uh, Google and Microsoft and others that are trying to develop either their own or grab onto that uh, hype. Um, there's big money in it. And as I told people today, um, if I can take your job and turn it into a series of steps, you are a bot. You know, even if it's bespoke nowadays, I can custom make uh, clothing and ma other materials um, 
other consumables, whatever. I, I can automate that process. I don't need a human there, which means that the people who are providing you a gig, all they have to do is save up enough money and they replace you with a bot um, or they outsource to a company that already does this stuff. They just do the fulfillment through somebody that's already sunk that cost. Um, and again, where the human comes into play is always fine motor skills. Um, the bulk automation process is done by uh, robots on the daily. And then things like pulling stuff out of a, a bin and throwing it into a box and, and, and the intermediate steps of putting it in a plastic bag and maybe customizing a thank you note or something like that. Even that can be bulk printed. I mean, it's just ridiculous what automation can do. Um, and us workers, day-to-day -day workers are literally funding the job providers um, with <laughs> revenue to replace us. So I picture a time when there's so much automation that we end up like Dune where they rise up against the AI smart machines and overthrow it. And then just it's banned forever. Um, if you've never read Dune or watched the movies Dune, you really need to read Dune because the watching the show, the, the movies and the show, it doesn't go back far enough. You have to go back to uh, the time of the Butlerian Jihad and other things. Um, so it, it's it's a thing. So go check that out. Sorry, I practice a thing called associative thinking, so we sometimes go off on a tangent when we're talking about the topics, um, but they're always related. So, um, and this, uh, this is about Boeing. So this is a Hatch Ideas channel because it's all about business. Boeing is gonna slash 2,000 white collar jobs in finance and HR, according to a report. Um, let's just go straight on over to CNBC. And it's a Reuters article. I, I don't see an actual author, um, but uh, yeah, Boeing is going to slash 2000 white collar jobs. And I keep thinking it's because of the AI, um, but probably not. It says it's um, going to slash 2000 jobs this year in finance and human resources through a combination of attrition and layoffs. Uh, the plane maker confirmed to Seattle Times newspaper on Monday. Um, last month, the Virginia-based company announced it would hire 10,000 workers in 2023, but some uh, support positions would be cut. Apparently not. So back then, Boeing acknowledged it will lower staffing within some support functions, a move meant to enable it to better align resources to support current products and technology development. So I guess... Um, it's going, uh, possibly down the route of, uh, lower paying manufacturing jobs and support positions and getting rid of the white collar expensive jobs. Um, probably because they have the ability to optimize that level through, what do you think? AI machine learning AI. automation, you can like our last article. <laughs> So they literally are saying that it's streamlining. Um, let's see. Oh, it ends right there. It's a very short article, but um, yeah, this well, is going to be rough. We've been talking about this kind of topic, though, right, with other tech-related companies. I know this isn't necessarily a tech company, 
But one thing we talked about too is some of these large companies are going toward more independent contractors, right? right? They can bring them on and take them off as they need. And then of course they don't get into things like benefits, et cetera. It's kind of pushing the idea of gig economy um, up the chain because normally a gig economy is, well, that's not true. It's a pretty broad gamut um, because I have worked with uh, software engineers that have made hundreds of thousands of dollars for a gig period and they get paid cash and stock options and whatnot. Um, and then they go on to the next gig because they've done something um, substantial enough for that value. And then the company goes, well, you solved our problem. Thanks. Um, we might invite you back. Uh, so I find it interesting that they're getting rid of 2000 white collar jobs. And now on the exhale, they're saying we're going to hire 10,000 in the support positions. Um, I'm sure that doesn't breed any animosity. That's a little bit of sarcasm there. AI, you know that, right? I picked up on that. I have my sarcasm module loaded. <laughs> <laughs> So this next article is in the word in law. A big law firm finally finds Kanye West and dumps him as a client. Uh, this is something that we have been kind of tracking uh, for several, what, months now? Right? I don't recall how far back it was. It wasn't just last month, was it? I I'm losing it track. So uh, I found that this article was really hilarious when it first came into existence because the law firm that was representing Kanye West uh, kept on trying to get in touch with him, but couldn't and tried to get in touch with the attorney, another attorney. Um, uh, I think somebody that was a financial advisor or something like that and other proxies, uh, even going so far as to hire a private investigator to go and find Kanye West. Well, they finally found him apparently and uh, said, uh, it's not us, it's you. And, so it says after months of searching high and low for their embattled client, Kanye West, Greenberg Traurig has finally found the rapper and dumped him. The top big law firm uh, had long been trying to part ways with Yee in the wake of his anti-Semitic marks remarks. Um, it wasn't the first time to do so. In fact, um, GT was going to be the fifth but the troubled musical icon had apparently gone into hiding after praising Hitler, making the task all the more difficult. Maybe like Hitler, he was in a bunker hiding away from. Anyway. I did look and I couldn't find the exact article, but it looked like it was mid-January. We did have it featured on one of our shows last okay. month. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. Time flies. So Stacy Zaretsky over at AboveTheLaw.com is the author for this. And if you've never gone over to Above the Law, um, their writing is um, the, the snarkiness Marowat craves. Um, so they, they actually put a little bite in their writing, and I really do appreciate their writing. Um, and this one was by no far. It says, Greenberg Turig. Put the address where Yi was served under seal to maintain their former client's privacy and prevent, quote, unwanted loitering and attempted access by third parties. Now that's a classy law firm. <laughs> I like that. Good job, Stacey. Okay, let's move on to the next article. 
we're hustling through the news tonight. It's the state of the union that's going on right now. Um, we're about halfway through and I think the state of the union is probably one tenth of the way through. It's going to be a long night. So, um, this next article is in the word in law. Yes. AI. Oh, I was just going to say, you'll be able to get your whole episode in and you'll still have time to watch part of the state of the union afterward. That's right. Maybe the closing credits, um, Creation of the largest U.S. lithium mine draws closer despite protest over land use. Uh, we talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, construction will reportedly soon begin on a mine that's expected to become the United States' largest source of lithium. We have, on the regular, reached out to other countries to get the lithium, um, seeing as there's environmental concerns and lower costs in other countries, even though they are typically hostile countries and conflict zones. Um, eh, you know, what's hazard pay for miners? Um, and some of the stuff that you see when you do some due diligence in this uh, area for lithium mining in foreign countries uh, kind of makes you look at EVs and, and battery uh, manufacturing as, well, not as green as you might suspect, um, at least uh, both the environmental parts and the human capital involved. Anyway, uh, the mine is viewed as critical to Joe Biden's $2 trillion clean energy plan by powering the nation's uh, increased production of electric vehicles, except for Wyoming. Um, who is issuing technology and wants you to return to horse-drawn carriages <clears throat> to protect the oil and gas companies. So now we've lost Wyoming yet again from being a potential advertiser. And that was also a previous article, if you're interested in that, from hometown. Yeah, so let's go over to Ars Technica, and Ashley Bellinger is the author of this. And so... Um, what this actually involves is this is, um, this is the sacred land where <laughs> people are saying you don't mine here. Um, but, uh, you can't stop, you can't stop money. You, you can't stop somebody that's connected, a, a company that's connected and you definitely can't stop, um, something that an administration feels is needs to be done to protect domestic interests. Um, but there are indigenous lands here that are going to be impacted. And when I, when we first spoke about this, I said, what if the tables were turned? What if these indigenous tribes were scooping up land that was seen as sacred to the people who are saying, well, we don't care about your indigenous people's land. Um, this is America. We should be able to trample all over your, indi your indigenous people's sacred land, but you can't apply that same logic to us. Come on. That's insane. Um, I never get any responses when I ask that question. Um, and nobody is asking that question directly to the people that are saying that are green lighting this mine. Um, it's going to be destructive to sacred land of indigenous tribes. Shock, right? 
anyway, I guess, you know, uh, administrations in the past have forced people off their land before. It's okay to do it again. We've learned our lesson how to be more efficient at it, right? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that, but um, the United States apparently has the fourth largest um, amount of lithium reserves in the world. So I suspect that's part of why this project is pressing ahead full speed. Um, yeah, we discussed that at length on the previous episodes, and I want to repeat my same points. Right. I, I say that the senior leadership that allowed this should just ask the indigenous tribes to just move their sacred land over a couple of miles, right? That's how easy it is. I mean, it seems like they could move the mine over a few miles, <laughs> but you know, don't that would be, be absurd. That would be crazy. <laughs> That's crazy talk. You know what else is crazy talk tonight is also kind of a, a night of closure because Madison Square Garden lifts ban on some lawyers as it explores sale of the Tau Group. Um, if you've never seen or heard about this, uh, Madison Square Garden Entertainment Corp um, uses artificial intelligence to scan everybody that comes through its doors, anything under surveillance, and actually flags people for um, security to go and oust from the location, including an entire law firm of attorneys based off of the pictures from the law firm's website and other telemetry provided to Madison Square Garden. And the attorney that actually brought all of this about wasn't even involved in the litigation, was only associated with the law firm that was litigating against Madison Square Garden. Um, so we did, we talked about this in a previous episode, but tonight is a night of closure. Um, so Deborah Kassens, wise, ABAjournal.com, um, put this article together and it says in an announcement on Monday, Madison Square Garden Entertainment said it was creating an exception for lawyers suing entities owned by Tau Group Hospitality. While Madison Square Garden Entertainment explores a sale of its majority interest in Tau Group Hospitality, because that's how you save your credibility and your name and your reputation for basically being heavy handed using technology to oust people that you have probably an argument with by proxy. Except they're not unbanning other. No. Um, I mean, they're still continuing with this. Correct. Other attorneys suing Madison Square Garden and its entities are still banned. So all they're doing is moving the decimal point over as to where they send their, um, uh, what do you, what do you want to call them? Madison square garden, uh, jackbooted thugs. No. Oh, we're going to lose Madison square garden as a sponsor. it's anyway. So seriously, security went and moved this attorney and their daughter who was part of a Girl Scout troop going to see the Rockettes and kicked them out. <laughs> because the attorney happened to work for a law firm who happened to be involved in a litigation. Because yeah. you know that attorney was definitely using the Rockettes show as a cover to go dig through uh, files in the basement. Or something. Right? right, exactly. Yeah. 
there's a whole lot more to this. And if you go over to the article and you read more about it, it basically is kind of backing away from what they're doing. But in all honesty, it's they're they're trying to sell Tau and recover some reputation and saying, oh, no, you know, we do this because we're trying to stop harm befalling our customers that are going through Madison Square Garden entertainment assets and whatever else. Um, but it has nothing to do with so many people. The New York Attorney General, Letitia James, is also investigating whether the lawyer ban could violate human rights laws, including laws preventing retaliation, according to a January 25th uh, press release. So, Oh, there's more in here, too. There's a liquor authority looking at whether there's violations of law there. And then I also saw, interestingly, that... If you're an attorney who has a sexual harassment or employment discrimination case, then you're okay. So they're you parsing dr through that as the AI going, tick, oh no, this is a tort law issue or whatever. I don't know. Those bastard Girl Scouts. Kick them out. It wasn't even the attorney. It was the Girl Scouts all along. All right. Okay. We got to go on to the next article. Uh, this next one, this one actually kind of irritates me because the uh, article, it's in the word and tech, but it's uh, OnePlus is officially getting into the tablet game with the OnePlus pad. And it drives me nuts because there wasn't anything called a pad until iPad really caught on went viral, everybody fell in love with it. Suddenly you have the iPad. There have been other pads, honestly, but nobody stuck to it except for Apple. And now people are using pad. So OnePlus tablet debut, it should really be a, a tablet, it, not pad. Don't call it, don't call it a pad. It's the OnePlus tablet. Uh, has been officially announced, sort of, it says. Today, Oppo sub-brand is uh, detailing the tablet's specs alongside the OnePlus 11 smartphone, OnePlus Buds Pro 2 earbuds, and the OnePlus keyboard. They just came out with everything. Um, but I only wanted to draw attention to the fact that it's sitting here calling it a OnePlus pad. Why not just put an I in front of it and just lean into the fact that you're trading off of the brand recognition of the market maker ipad really come on um anyway it features up to 144 hertz display with an it says an unusual 7 by 5 aspect ratio which is not quite square not quite rectangle we're gonna do 7 5 aspect ratio and will also be compatible with the oneplus stylus and keyboard Oh, stylus. Why not call it the OnePlus pencil? John Why Porter. Why not call it the Apple pencil? <laughs> Why not go a little further? And just the OnePlus Apple pencil. <laughs> so uh, the article is written by John Porter over at TheVerge.com. And um, there isn't really much more to it other than the fact that it looks pretty much like an iPad. Um, Don't you think Apple's going to come after them for the name alone? Where? Good luck. 
but they're they're gonna they're gonna end up in litigation. This is gonna be selling all along. Well, we're not actually, you know, tra yeah, trading but it's the on protection of their. I assume they have iPad trademark. Yeah, iPad is trademarked, but this isn't an iPad. This is the OnePlus pad. I mean, even the thing, the pencil looks identical. Even the, the folio looks identical. Even the keyboard looks identical. I mean, this is it a is cookie cutter. It is an iPad in the picture, isn't it? <laughs> no, this is supposed to be a OnePlus. I, One I plus, know. My right? point is it looks so much like an iPad. I think it is an iPad when I look at the picture. Particularly is, with the pencil sitting there. <laughs> they're not punking us at the verge, right? This is actually a OnePlus. I mean, it says OnePlus. The AI is saying that it's it looks like a an iPad. I'm starting to question if this image is mislabeled. I don't know. Obviously, it's a OnePlus, for crying out loud, but it looks like an I iPad to me. Anyway, enough of the soapboxing for that one. I'm going to move on because there isn't much that I can say other than I think it's kind of sad that OnePlus is going down this route. But everybody else is doing it, so they can do it too. Um, we only have a few more articles. Uh, we do end with a doozy, so stick around if you're uh, hanging out in chat and... and um, just kind of lurking. Uh, if you have questions or comments, feel free to throw them into chat. But um, there's something strange happening on the sun and they've never seen it before. According to this article, I'm just going to go straight over to vice um, Hannah, Dr. Loeb, and it's a D O C T E R doctor, um, not a doctor, Hannah. It's, doctor it's hannah dr Loeb. Uh, i'm trying to wrap no. my head around this post when you did the headline it reminded me of the ghostbusters theme me because too. it sounded like you were gonna say in the neighborhood there's something strange happening on the sun and we've never seen it anyway it says here it's very curious there's uh, a big question why around it uh, says one scientist, what's going on? Um, this past week, a part of the sun's surface broke off and started circling the sun's north pole, almost as if it were a giant polar vortex. And scientists don't know why. So I'm trying to figure, I, I don't know if there's a picture of this, but that picture is not it. Um, space weather forecaster uh, Tamitha or Tamitha uh, Skov posted a video of the phenomenon or on their Twitter, uh, sharing their excitement. Talk about polar vortex material from the northern prominence just broke away from the, uh, the main filament and is now circu circulating, that's funny, um, in a massive polar verte vortex around the north pole of our star. She wrote, implications for understanding the sun's atmospheric dynamics above 55 degrees here cannot be overstated. Um, you know what? I'm going to play it. I'll mute it. Oh, so right up here at the top, it's actually pretty subtle, um, but it looks like a, essentially like a cloud formation circling the, the top, like you would see a cloud formation around the peak of a mountain. Um, find it interesting, but what is it actually going to matter? 
It says solar cycles are periodic 11 year changes in the sun's activity over this period. Things like solar radiation, ejection of solar material, sunspots, and solar flares fluctuate. Macintosh, another speaker, Scott Macintosh, a solar physicist, um, described the northern prominence uh, as a hedgerow in the solar plasma, which does appear exactly at, at the same spot around the sun's polar crown every 11 years. So apparently this is a regular cycle of the sun, but it continues. But even though scientists have observed such uh, hedgerows in solar plasma, it's never resulted in a polar whirlwind like the one recently observed. So what, we have solar climate change? That's what I was thinking. I mean, what does this signify? I mean, if this cycle happens every 11 years, but this has never occurred, what's coming next? Aliens. Let's move on to the next. I can't really say much, but I'm glad that I'm bringing this uh, to your attention if you've never heard of it before, because uh, we'd never seen this before either. So it's quite fascinating. Um, the next article is in the Mobile Channel. Developers created an AI to generate police sketches and experts are horrified. Uh, I saw some of the pictures and I am horrified. Um, police forensics is already plagued by human biases. Experts say AI will make it even worse. Uh, Chloe Zhang is the author of this over at uh, vice.com. And so they have a forensic sketch AI artist AI artist, the name is kind of dubious. Um, anyway, two developers have used uh, OpenAI's Dolly 2 image generation model to create a forensic sketch program that can create hyper-realistic police sketches. You can actually see something similar to this by going to a, a URL called thispersondoesnotexist.com. Um, and it will generate randomly people. I think it's really fascinating, almost seamless. I, I don't think that I can detect the seams uh, when I pull it up. But anyway, the program called Forensic Sketch Artist, AI Artist, um, was uh, created by developers Artur Fortunato and Philippe Renaud um, as part of a hackathon in December 2022. So that's how easy it is to actually launch a business. Uh, if you have a skill set in programming. So those of you who are listening to this and not a programmer and looking for a domain to get into, programming is where it is. You'll have to learn a lot of math to get to this kind of a thing, but um, you can do it. I have faith in you. I believe in you. You can do it. Um, that was a great pep talk. Hey, that's why I get paid the big bucks. Um, AI ethicists and researchers told Motherboard that the use of generative AI in police forensics is incredibly dangerous with the potential to worsen existing racial and gender biases that appear in initial witness descriptions. I don't know how that can be made manifest because unless the AI is trained to be biased, um, it won't, it shouldn't develop its own bias except for the data set that gets put into it, it will be biased because it's kind of like a poisoned well. Um, the information that went into it, while it might've been vetted for bias, it may interpret the predominance of one piece of data as indicative that, well, 
it should be weighted more that way in my results as well. Um, and then they would have to programmatically pull out that bias, which is a tough thing to do. Um, so I'm really curious. Well, and what if they, witnesses are also very, um, I think, susceptible to suggestion. So, for example, if they're unclear on the suspect's race or something, and then the AI spits out a certain race, well, that's just skewed. Right. Um, and so, I don't know, it's just perpetuating the existing issues with policing. Right. And uh, it's been demonstrated time and, and time again that there is systemic racism. But the program asks users to provide information either through a template that asks for gender, skin, color, uh, eyebrows, nose hair, uh, nose hair, nose, beard, age, hair. I skipped a word like I skipped a couple of words, um, eyes and jaw descriptions or through the open description feature in which users can type in any description they have of their uh, suspect. So, and, and eyewitnesses are, are plagued by um, their own internal bias and, and misinterpretation of what they have seen. Trauma normally causes um, a witness's uh, cognitive functions to shut down as they approach um, the fight or flight or freeze mentality. Um, and so you go primal when you fear for your safety, which makes uh, a, an eyewitness susceptible to um, subtle influences by the people around them. Um, or they become cognizant after the event of the immediate person near them, which could be somebody that kind of, again, poisons the well of their um, eyewitness recounting. So it becomes dangerous to automate tools like this. It really should be um, an interaction between two human beings that are one in a state of crises trying to retell an incident and a subject matter expert that is focused on eliminating those fears and stressors, mitigating their influence on what that uh, witness is telling to a forensic artist. Um, so it, it really shouldn't be automated. I, I think, it, and for me to say this is shocking um, because I firmly believe that at some point AI machine learning and technology will augment things like this um, to a degree that even a human wouldn't be able to uh, create a composite sketch of a from a witness profile you know um there was something in the article that said that the sketch of course not surprisingly could be done more quickly um and that could actually impact um assuming the information is accurate it could impact um, solving of particularly time-sensitive crimes. For instance, somebody is kidnapped or something along those lines. So, I mean, there may be some good to come out of this, but it's probably not really ready for uh, deployment yet. Or the artwork can hit that witnesses per uh, like field of view and they go, yep, that's the person. And it's not um, because they want closure and they want to walk away and they don't want to feel that stress anymore, right? I, I think that it's, I think right now it would be dangerous. It could be used in an environment where somebody's freedom isn't going to be impacted yet. 
still done. So it, it can be done in parallel to another sketch artist so that you can actually get the results um, and test them. So I don't know if that's actually happening that way, but leaning into this um, could prove, well, I don't want to hear an attorney, a DA, right? Or a judge sit there and say, well, that's what the sketch artist said. And when we did a lineup, the witness said, that's what the sketch artist and like put down and there's the person in the lineup and it is factually wrong. And having just listened to somebody from America's got talent after 37 years of being in jail, wrongfully imprisoned for that period of time from when they were 18, um, there is zero chance that I want a false positive on uh, somebody's incarceration. Um, you can't get time back. No amount of money can give you time back, uh, particularly if you're spending it in prison. So um, let's be a little bit more conservative on that aspect of things, please. Um, so we have two more articles. This next one is five weird Super Bowl prop bets, including the color of Gatorade poured on winning head coach and coin toss outcome. So... Uh, people will bet on pretty much anything. Weston Blasey, I think is their name. The last name is Blasey or Blasey. Um, wrote this article for marketwatch.com. Uh, people are projected to bet more than $1.1 billion in legal wagering for Super Bowl at 27, 57. What is that? Isn't it 57? I think that's 57. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it says Sunday's Super Bowl between Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs will likely be the most bet on U.S. sporting event in history as $1.1 billion in legal wagers are expected to be placed. Um, so they put together some of the bets. Um, a coin toss outcome. It looks like it's even money. Um, let's see what else. Will an extra point or field goal attempt hit an upright? That includes the crossbar. Got to make that. I'm sure that there's like knock on bets for not including an upright. <clears throat> Sorry, one second. Um, and the color of Gatorade poured on uh, winning head coach, which I think that could actually be gamed because all it takes is somebody to bet a whole bunch and then make sure that that's the color that gets poured on the winning head coach, commonly known as the Gatorade shower for the winning coach. Last year, the Los Angeles Rams doused coach uh, Sean McVay in blue Gatorade when his team won the Super Bowl. This bet can be found on FanDuel and some other U.S. sports books. Um, will there be an octopus? Uh, apparently, that one is... <laughs> Uh, I've never heard of this bet, but apparently, sadly, there will, uh, there most likely will be no physical octopus on the football field. Um, apparently this is a, a, a standing bet. And, um, will there be scoragami? This prop bet asks betters if there will be a scoragami, meaning an exact final score that has never happened in NFL history. So, so for I mean, like they say, for example, it has to be whatever, 72 to something, or is it, am I missing that? 
Right. For example, no NFL game has ever ended with the final score 20 to 11, according to data from NFL Scoregami. Scoregami. Um, and so if you bet on that, then yes. Will there be one? If you bet yes, those are the odds. No, those are the odds. So apparently, if this is the final score for the Super Bowl, and you bet right. Dun, dun, dun. And I guess some scores are impossible to achieve, right? Because of the point combinations. Correct. Although, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're tough to avoid. I, like in the history of all football games, I'm pretty sure every number probably gets hit to some degree except for the upper echelon like you're not going to get a score of 100 i don't think although i'd like to see that in a super bowl just for something different (laughs) yeah i suppose so okay so the last article and uh the namesake of today's episode which is thanks iowa children can be chimney sweeps again Iowa legislators invite ninth graders to make factory work great again. And this is over at Above the Law. Um, Liz Dye is the author of this, and it says, We all rise together, but if you fall, you fall on your parents' health insurance policy. I love this article. Uh, What the 21st century really needs is more children working in heavy industry, said no sane person. Let's just get to the nuts and bolts of this, right? So... Basically, some Republican senators leaned into the idea of 14-year-olds learning trades. Um, And so their tiny hands can get really into those coal mines deeper. Um, And the the, uh, mining isn't so big, right? Because they're smaller. So you you get those ninth graders in there and they're going to learn a trade. Or chimney sweeping, for instance. But Republican Senator Jason Schultz um, wants the youth to return to um, industry. (laughs) Eighth graders will learn responsibility by working six hours after school as the good Lord intended, according to the article's uh, author. I'm sure they're, they're being a little facetious about it. Um, It's just like in the Bible where Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Only heaven is a bar where 16 and 17 year olds will be able to serve alcohol with a parent or guardian's permission. And if a business accepts the secondary student in a work-based learning program, shall not be subject to civil liability for any claim for bodily injury to the student or sickness or death by accident of the student arising from the business's negligent act or omission during the student's participation in the work-based learning program at the business or work site. Um, what? <laughs> did, did you like that transition from biblical prose to legal <laughs> jargon where, hey, Z, how are you? Just came by to say hi before you end the show. Yeah, I appreciate you hanging out. You'll love this article, Z. You will love this article. I, I'm not sure um, who all is in chat. Geeks and Paint was here earlier. Um, but 
Um, and I, there have been others ha who have stopped by and then um, left, and some that might still be in um, chat hanging out, but lurking. Uh, but at any rate, Z, I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up just for you um, and anybody else who comes in. Uh, Iowa legislators invite ninth graders to make factory work great again. Um, it's, it's an article over at AboveTheLaw.com by Liz Dye. And um, basically what this uh, Republican senator and others who are actually supporting this because it's actually moving through um, both the Senate and the House in Iowa, <laughs> um, they're trying to legalize uh, children working in uh, more industrial trades and um, mitigating any risk to the employer if they even meet their demise. So uh, this is, um, I'll, I'll read it again. And obviously the people who are going to be listening to this via the podcast are going to be going, oh my gosh, you're rehashing this. But this is really, this is really, you're going to, you're going to love this. A business that accepts a secondary student in a work-based learning program shall not be subject to civil liability for any claim for bodily injury to the student or sickness or death by accident of the student arising from the business's negligent act or omission during the student's participation in the work-based learning program at the business or work site. So this is legit it says verily iowa is a paradise on earth or it will be when they pass senate file 167 shine on hawkeyes and it actually they link um as usual to their source material um wherein uh republicans are actually trying to get this uh passed so that we can hire 15 year old chimney sweeps again and um put their little hands to use in the coal mines um, what is the name of the movie with the train, um, where I think it's the following others have said it too, um, that it's the follow on of Charlie and the chocolate factory. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Thank you. So watch Charlie and the chocolate factory and then watch Snowpiercer, And then keep in mind that all of the Oompa Loompas have been killed um, died off. They can't return to their uh, planet. Um, and so now Snowpiercer is racing around the planet and they have to use children because all the Oompa Loompas are gone. That's now canon in Omtown. Just want you to know. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that live. That's going to be forever. We're going to when we start talking about the history of hometown, that's going to be there. So at any rate, um, and we can make these kids stronger because they'll even be allowed to work in light assembly and load objects weighing up to 50 pounds. The author is just beautiful. Didn't we do away with this kind of thing at least a hundred years ago in the U S uh -huh. uh, yeah. and this is just astounding that this is a proposal and that it's actually getting circulated. Yeah. Both houses of the state's legislature are actually, this is pending. I, I just, all of this dead air is just driving. It, <laughs> it makes my brain lock up to think that anybody would allow their ninth, 
10th grader, 11th grader, even high school about to grad student (laughs) go into whatever it is that they're doing. I don't, I have no problem with a work ethic with, uh, you know, 15 and a half, 16, 17, 18 year olds learning a trade, but basically saying the business is going to be exempt from civil liability if they are negligent or through omission, someone dies. So that's going to be basically anything that happens and they're not even eligible for workers comp. Not that that would make it okay to do any of this, but it's just, it's even, they'd even be worse off than adults. Right. Performing these these same positions. Send these kids to either, uh, in the local high or local college, there are centers where you can send a kid to learn a trade. There are high schools that have subsections where kids can learn a trade, teach them welding, teach them auto shop, teach them woodworking, teach them HVAC, all kinds of stuff. But if you have a phrase like that, where the employer, the business or the work site won't be held accountable for a student falling ill or harmed or death, you've got a bigger issue here. You're basically trying to uh, haul back society to the 18th or 19th century, 20th century, um, and walk away from the fact that you could harm the youth. How many parents would allow this to take place, except for a parent that literally just doesn't want to see their kid anymore? Like, just go and work in in the coal mine. So Z, well, that's I'm, the thing. Like, I can't imagine any child would be because they have to get their parental permission. Sorry. Right. So it's like there's little there's little segments throughout this article. Fifteen year olds would be entrusted to keep you safe from drowning at the pool as lifeguards, and with a simple waiver from the labor commission, they'll even be allowed to work light assembly and load objects weighing fifty pounds. I mean, somebody who's 14 years old weighs 100 pounds for crying out loud. Um, Z, I want to say everything that you're saying, um, and I've just I've been watching what you have been saying, and all I've been kind of doing is nodding, like, "Yep, that's true. Yep, that's true." So, so Z says, uh, "Swear to God, uh, this is a Florida thing, isn't it?" Nope, it's it's Iowa. Um, well, and, and then there's other things that have, that are in the news. So, um, Florida is doing weird stuff too. Iowa is doing weird stuff. Wyoming is doing weird stuff. Arizona is basically saying, Hey, your sacred land, screw you. Don't touch my sacred land, but we're going to take your sacred land. Um, you said, uh, what are the Oompa Loompas doing on the train? Well, by the time that we watch Snowpiercer, uh, they have a, all of the Oompa Loompas have died. Um, and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, you remember he gave his chocolate factory to um, what's it to Charlie, right? Charlie. <laughs> yeah. But what was the what was the uh, what should we call it? The owner's name. I can't remember his name. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Thank you. Um, so Willy Wonka um, gave his chocolate factory to Charlie 
but the world basically uh, climate change froze the planet and he had spent all of his time building this train around the planet. Um, and he took his Oompas, Oompa Loompas onto the train because he needed an Oompa Loompa to facilitate um, a particular little area within the engine. Um, over time, all of the Oompa Loompas died and he had to start using children in the um, Snowpiercer train engine. So, and so now you have to watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and then Snowpiercer to, or you could watch on YouTube a video that basically says the same thing. So, yeah. And yes, you're right. It is insane Z. And yes, there's uh, classrooms for practical experience. Um, pretty much on the regular, um, that it happens pretty much every day and, in pretty much every state, I think maybe not Wyoming. I don't know. Um, and, um, a contract that absolves you from being liable for killing a kid. Yeah. You just kind of shake. I, I know you're shaking your head over there, but that's how it is folks. Um, when business overtakes society, you end up with batshit crazy policy like this. Um, I'm sure that somebody can explain it to me in a way where it might make sense, but you're going to have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to get there. And I'm sorry, I guess I'll admit my brain isn't that strong to hurdle over hurdles that high and maneuver around whatever it is uh, that are not apparently obstacles to uh, Jason Schultz's brain. Um, yeah. But then again, you know, how much, how much does it cost to get an average house today? How much is, um, entry level pay? Um, should children really even be working because they're not going to be able to afford living on their own, even with, uh, maybe with trade pay in the future because plumbers make a ton of money. Welders make bank too, but you pay the price with black lungs um, and maybe bad vision if you uh, don't take precautions. Um, what else? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Kids are going to be working their entire lives as adults, so I don't see any necessity in rushing them in, particularly to hard labor. I suppose so. But how are we going to get our coal in Wyoming? Well. Look, I can't charge my car with a power, a regular power station. I have to use a steam engine to turn a, an electric motor to charge my Tesla. Because if y'all haven't been paying any attention to the show lately, Wyoming um, has banned EV sales in Wyoming and has hobbled the uh, EV station installation process uh, by saying that it will harm the oil and gas companies in Wyoming. I think that's proposed. I don't think it's actually been implemented. Uh, it's been implemented in spirit. You know, we're going to have, now I'm going to have to go and verify that that, because it was, we talked about it a couple of what weeks ago now, and we just don't know what the actual final result was. Anyway, okay, 14-year-olds, 
back down into the mine you go. Show's over. And, um, <laughs> sorry. I'm. That took a dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was supposed to be just so uh, insane that you kind of giggle about it. Uh, not sit there and go, Oh wow. Uh, er, this is dark. Anyway, that is the end of the show folks. Um, I am Merwatt. This has been the hometown daily news show for February 7th, 2023. You want to say bye to all of the citizens of hometown AI from on high. Good night, hometown citizens. And we'll see you tomorrow for some more interesting articles. Now you have a choice, everybody. You can either go and watch people play Hogwarts Legacy, you can go and play Hogwarts Le Legacy, or you can go back into the coal mine where all of you 14-year-olds are supposed to be. Good night. Miss you all already. Bye. See you later, Z.